Hey there, sports fan. Welcome to the Draft Site Podcast, your home for all professional sports drafts. Brought to you by DraftSite.com, the original full-round mock draft site. Now let's get to the show. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Draft Site Podcast. You're joined today by DJ Boyer and Jared Belson. Hello, everyone, and there'll be another podcast in a few days. I'll finish up those team needs, but... Uh... Been busy with some other things. We got this going on, so probably in the middle of the week, there's going to be another podcast. We'll get uh, teams 21 to 32 on the clock, as well as the uh, Buffalo Bills. They're beyond that, of course. All right, perfect. Tonight we're going to try to make it a little shorter for your listening pleasure. We're going to talk a little bit about the pro days. We're going to talk about franchise tags. We're going to talk about the NFL draft because that's who we are and that's what we do. So, DJ, pro day schedule. Um, was released. What's what stuck out to you? Oh, there's a couple of big schools with some pro days right out of the right out of the gate. Minnesota had their pro day today. Virginia, uh, of course, uh, Eli Harold and Max Dallas. We're we're talking about a couple of pass rushing type linebackers, but uh, they seem to stand by their combine numbers. I haven't really heard too much about Kevin Parks. Kevin Parks is a running back at Virginia. Not one of the more attractive, I would say, uh, prospects or, or, or one of those those names that come to mind for a lot of people. But I really think he's a late-round prospect because he's probably one of the, I'd say, three or four best receiving running backs in this draft. So I think uh, a, a guy that you can get in the late rounds who really has a lot of value coming out of the, the backfield or maybe a West Coast offense type that likes to dump the ball out to their running backs or split them out and kind of spread them, he would, he would be a pretty good prospect. Uh, Auburn's got pro day this week um, in Texas A&M. So a couple of big schools, even SEC schools, that are going to have some pro days coming this week. Even some of the smaller schools, uh, Tennessee Chattanooga had theirs with uh, Davis Tall, a very good inside linebacker who spent the back part of this season hurt. But again, uh, just some of those smaller schools, sometimes you'll find one or two people who uh, really draw a lot of pro interest. So, uh, you know, you you got to pay attention. It's not just the big schools all the time. What word have you gotten out of the pro days today? I mean, out of Minnesota specifically, you hear anything about David Cobb or any of the other top prospects there? Little little surprise there that that, that David Cobb did not run today, and he did not post a very good uh, time at the the uh, combine. I believe he ran a four seven four, which was pretty disappointing. Well, a lot of people really wouldn't think of him as a speed burner. He's more of a workhorse type of back, but thought they would get something in the 4-6 range. It was a little disappointing. So uh, they said that David Cobb really is kind of wants to stand by his combine numbers and, and bank on having a couple of private workouts with teams. So that was pretty surprising. Max Williams had run a sub-4-6, so we knew that uh, knew that he was going to stand by his numbers, didn't really do a whole lot. He's definitely uh, already got a number of teams knocking down his door as he will likely be the first tight end coming off the board. And you being a guy uh, with with the Giants, of course, you know you know that he is the son of Brian Williams, the uh, the former uh, center and offensive lineman. He's got some good lineage there. His uh, mother, a very good volleyball player at the University of Minnesota, so uh, he's he seems to have the lineage, and I, I think he's going to be the first tight end off the board. So lineage goes a long way in all these drafts: NFL, MLB, for sure, hockey. You see a lot of that going on. But, uh, yeah, I mean, when you have athletic parents, when both of them are athletic, teams, teams love that. They salivate. 
Absolutely. So I, it's early on. We got to hear a little more about the pro days. Um, but uh, obviously, with the blog, it was updated with the we're going to do pro day schedules week in and week out. Kind of give you the Monday through Saturday or Monday through Friday pro days are actually happening, and week in and week out, we're going to update. Uh, with a schedule for what the upcoming pro days would be for that week, as well as results. Now, TJ, there was a pro day today that I'm curious about. Uh, it was Wake Forest. There's a guy who is questionable on a lot of people's boards. A lot of scouts are kind of up and down about this guy. His name is Kevin Johnson, the cornerback. Did you hear anything out of Wake Forest today about him? Haven't heard anything out of Wake Forest yet, but we will definitely have results um, on our blog when we get a little more information. Kevin Johnson, he is... I, I, a very good prospect. He's someone that I really like. The, the unfortunate part is um, doesn't have the, the numbers or a lot of the interceptions or some of those big numbers that people would be looking for. I believe he only had one interception this past season. But the thing is, again, at Wake Forest, uh, you know, you play in a power conference and, and there where you're pretty much the only, I'd say, marquee player on that side of the football or especially in the secondary, you're going to have a lot of teams that – really just avoid throwing at him. So sometimes you got to look at the the actual makeup of the team and how things are constructed because uh, just the mere silence or the, or the fact that he doesn't get thrown at uh, very often uh, speaks volumes for his level of play. He is very fast, but, again, not, not the tallest guy. He's going to, I believe, uh, about 5'10", about 185. Uh, he played most of the year, so a little bit on the, the shorter side, and he doesn't have – the greatest aerial skill. So a lot of times when you see these shorter corners, it's going to be about uh, the length of their arms. It's going to be about their vertical leap. And, and that's something that Johnson really doesn't have. So he just seems to have those really keen instincts. Pretty good when playing the run. Again, he's, he doesn't shy away from contact, but he's not a, I would say, a tremendous run defender. So there's room to grow there, but he just seems to take good angles and just has a very good knack uh, but it, but he's one of those guys just kind of kind of break up a play by make a big play. Yeah, I think uh, right now we have him as the fourth cornerback off the board in the 2015 NFL mock draft. You get that on draftside.com/nfl. It'll take you right there. We have him as a second round pick, number 36 overall, going to Jacksonville. And I think once we get word out of Wake Forest pro day. We'll probably adjust him here or there because we have Jacoby Glenn above him, but we have P.J. Williams below him. And I think with this cornerback class, there's definitely a lot of movement, especially as you go down a little bit. You get guys like um, Ekpre Alamu, who has a lot to show off his injury, and Josh Shaw, who has a lot to prove. Kevin White at TCU, Diggs out of Texas. I mean, all these guys are potentially going to show very well in their pro, pro days and might skyrocket up the boards a little bit. So the cornerback class, in my mind, is, is uh, definitely one of those positions to watch. Um, yeah, a couple of those, those uh, schools from the, the, I'd say not the power conferences, but middle of the road, like a, like a Glenn that we talked about, like a Quentin Rollins out of Miami of Ohio, who you're really drafting based on raw talent with only one year after uh, coming – uh, making the move uh, from being the point guard at Miami of Ohio to coming back to the uh, back to football where he'd been an all-state performer. So I, I think guys like that, uh, you're really going to have to watch um, because they, they had kind of disappointing combines or didn't have the speed, but interviewed very well, played. Uh, uh, Rollins had an excellent uh, week of practice at the Senior Bowl. So uh, 
it's really going to be who's the, the next cornerback there because Trey Wayne's has done a really good job of separating himself and being the number one corner on the board, bar none. He really kind of laid waste to everyone in Indianapolis. Now it's really going to be who's that second and third guy because right now it's Wayne's with a secretariat-type lead and then uh, about six, seven backs that could be second, third, fourth off the board. Uh, we're really going to have to kind of establish that second tier. Yeah, Marcus Peters is our second guy off the board. He's, he's one of those players that scouts are going to be questionable about because of his background. And, um, you know, when it, when it comes to that, guys could go off the board anywhere from the first round to the fourth round, and we've seen it throughout the history when a guy has character concerns, how much that drops him, and how once a few teams pass over him and pick another player at their position, other teams start getting scared, and they say, well, maybe there's something I'm missing, and he just drops. But I like the, I like the lay around uh, corners. Uh, my favorite guy in this draft, and you know, I've been talking about him for a few years, is Damian Swan out of Georgia. Uh, I just think he's going to be one of those players that might not be the best prospect, but he's going to be one of those players that sticks around the roster for a long time and continues to find his place on team somewhere in that secondary. So, Another guy that I like from a, a power conference that I've ranked, I think, a lot higher than um, other people. Again, I think at, at his school they just couldn't stop the run, but played very well against some very good talent. Ja'Cory Shepard from Kansas. Very good corner, right around six feet. Uh, he's also going to contribute on special teams as well. Um, I think that he's a, a really undervalued player that mm-hmm. looked like more of a, of a late-round guy and I think has a chance to uh, probably be a solid third or fourth-round-type uh, corner. I think that can really help a big team. And, and the other thing about Marcus Peters, you're talking about a guy who could be the most talented guy at the cornerback position in this draft. And I believe in that latest yeah. mock, he's going to – uh, New England with the very last pick in the first round, and that's a perfect situation. Team that has played uh, or, or actually had some some players on the roster, even a cornerback that uh, might be seen as, you know, not the greatest kind of off the field character uh, types or has some issues there. But we're talking about there in New England. You're going to have a definite need. Um, McCordy and uh, Revis are actually both free agents right now. Neither one was tagged, and. Um, you know, the, the Patriots could bring one or both of them back, but bringing both back is unlikely, so it looks like there's going to be a need. Um, hopefully they can bring one of those uh, those veterans back, and then you have a, a person like Peters who can come in, um, kind of uh, being taken under the wing of that veteran and, and really kind of groom along to being a top-flight corner in a couple of seasons. Yeah, I like that. I think that's a, I think that's a good fit. I think um, as you go down the draft, I mean, there's teams end up jumping up on these cornerbacks early, uh, especially when they're in divisions where there's going to be a lot of passing. So uh, Peters, as we said, might go 15. He might go 115. You never know in this draft. So Trey Weems, I think uh, the earliest we can see him possibly go off. Uh, a team like that you, you were ta- alluding to, uh, playing when you're when you're in a conference or, or a division with with big passers, which I think why at 11, a team like the Vikings would make a lot of sense because you're you're talking about uh, you know they got Xavier Rhodes from uh, Florida State who's really panned out well. Maybe getting someone on the other side of him, kind of like what the Browns try to do with Justin Gilbert uh, opposite Joe Hayden, makes sense, especially when you're talking about a division when you a quarter of your games are going to be against Matthew Stafford and Aaron Rodgers. So going back to the pro days, tomorrow we have, I think you said we have Auburn, but we have 
Pittsburgh, we have Northwestern, we have New Mexico State, and for some of the smaller schools, we have James Madison, Sam Houston, uh, Sam Houston State, and Tuskegee. Any guys from those three small schools that we should keep an eye out for? Well, it's kind of funny. It not only is maybe schools that don't get a lot of attention, but the safety position really jumps out there, especially with two of them. You're talking Ibrahim Campbell at uh, Northwestern. Um, got a lot of meat on his bones. A little bit uh, smaller, but plays at about 210, 215. Excellent hitter. Of course, you're going to – a lot of people say he went to Northwestern. Obviously got to be a smart football player. Um, but uh, very, very good player. Can help uh, just as much with the run game as he will passing. And uh, from the small schools, the one I would like the most would be Dean Marlowe, another safety out of James Madison. We've got him as one of the top small school prospects. We actually have him being drafted. So uh, uh, Dean Marlowe, again, uh, showed pretty well at the combine. One of those guys that didn't really stand out. But uh, in, the, in the secondary, it seemed like more prospects hurt themselves than helped themselves at the combine. So if you had a day like Dean Marlowe where you went out and you really didn't embarrass yourself, you had some pretty solid numbers, it actually works to your favor because, again, I think more people hurt themselves at that position than help themselves. So if you just kind of had a pretty good, steady day with, and without all of your tests, you actually ended up uh, on the positive side, and that's what we saw out of Dean Marlowe. So I think you're talking about a guy there that looks like he could go anywhere from the, uh, I'd say, the fourth to sixth round range. Um, and there's going to be a number of teams that I expect are going to be at that pro day. I would say at least – I would say about 22 to 25 teams I would expect at the James Madison Pro Day. Let's go back to Ibrahim Campbell for a second. Right now it looks like we have him in the fourth round projected to go to Cleveland. Now this is a guy who's been on my radar for a lot of years. Uh, I think as a redshirt freshman he had hit 100 tackles. He's a redshirt freshman at the safety position. And sophomore year, uh, I think he was leading, you know, he was up leading the league in pass defense. Um, right now, looking up his stats, he had 12 passes defended, two interceptions. So, you know, his numbers sadly declined over those uh, four years, but a lot of that is because of the attention that would go to him. As, um, you know, when you're playing Northwestern, there's one guy you want to keep away from, it's pretty easy to do. If there's one guy you want to keep away from, but you're on LSU, there's probably about eight more that you want to keep away from, so you don't have a choice. So, um, But, you know, Campbell, to me, is, like I said, it's a guy I've been watching for a while. I mean, DJ, do you think he's underrated by any chance? It's possible. He, and he had a couple of nagging injuries as well. He's had a couple of uh, hamstring issues in the last few seasons. But, again, some of those stats uh, might get a little bit blown out of proportion just because, again, at Northwestern, unfortunately, the offense hasn't been on the field a lot. They haven't enjoyed the success they did a few years back. But, again, you know, the teams did start to avoid him. But he's very good in run support as well. Sometimes uh, you see these um, safeties are kind of seen as more as ball hawks or, or some that are more run-oriented. Uh, I do like Campbell in the fact that you can you can play him at either position. He's not a guy that really – says, yes, he's a strong safety. Yes, he's a free safety. Uh, depending on the team or where he goes to, I, I see him as a versatile-type backup that you can bring in a number of packages because I could see him playing in you know, both of those traditional roles. And he actually even played a little bit of linebacker at times in some certain packages where uh, Northwestern kind of employed that rover, that uh, um, 
sometimes like five uh, defensive backs, or sometimes they bring someone up as kind of a cheating rover uh, in the in the defense. And the funny thing is, the two best probably prospects on defense uh, would be he and uh, Chichi Araguzo, who actually for a while I had as Mr. Irrelevant in this draft, <laughs> the linebacker that I think will get drafted later. But sometimes they were interchangeable. He would actually drop into the secondary as more of a strong safety type. So, again, very versatile. I think the fact that he can play in a number of different positions is going to jump out at a lot of teams. Uh, for him, it, and it's also going to be about his health, uh, he's had a, a few too many of those kind of nagging hamstring pulls. Hopefully that was just something that's bad luck that he ran into. And we'll just have to show teams that it's not going to be something constant at the next level. Well, DJ, let's talk general pro days here since we're still early what pro days are you looking forward to the most? What players themselves are you dying to see how they'll do? And because it'll either be a make or break experience for them. Maybe the wide receiver position, especially just because we talked about how in the secondary there were a number of players who really hurt themselves and wide receiver. We saw a number of, I'd say, very good pro days. So if this was, or at the combine, so if you had kind of a, Unlike what we talked about with Dean Marlowe, if you kind of had that average-type pro day, you might have actually fallen down the board a bit um, as a wide receiver. And just using an example of one that's coming up, uh, we said tomorrow, Sammy Coates, I think, out of Auburn, who a lot of people had rated kind of high, and I've seen him as just kind of more of a – he's a guy that's just going to run fly patterns. He's going to be that deep-type threat. Someone to me that kind of screamed from Georgia Tech that the the Jets drafted and really kind of bombed out, Stephen Hill. Stephen Hill, yes, thank you. He, he put on about 15, 20 pounds. He, he ran such a great time at the Combine playing at about 215 pounds when he played at five for most of the season at Auburn. Uh, became draft eligible. He, when he came out early, it was kind of surprising. But uh, the fact that he'd actually already graduated. So uh, Oates really just showed a lot of discipline in a number of areas and has really, really improved himself, even though he was kind of more of a decoy in that offense and really didn't get a chance to showcase all of his skills. So that's a, a player that I'm very, very interested in uh, and, and I think could, could possibly even sneak into the first round. Um, uh, I think uh, some of the offensive linemen, uh, I think it's going to be uh, interesting to see as well, uh, especially along the interior. Um, uh, Hironis Grasu, a B.J. Finney, some of those centers. We're not hearing a lot about the center position, but to me, especially with spread offenses and communication is being utilized more and more at the NFL level. Uh, you're seeing centers especially having to take more and more uh, responsibility of helping communicate and call plays at the line. It's not just all about the quarterback anymore. So I think not only finding that good center, but again, most of the time it's the center position making the calls. And so you want to find a good communicator and someone who can really kind of show you some leadership and, and take that bull by the horns per se. So I think that is something – I think center is a position we are going to see be valued more and more, I'd say, the next three to four years, kind of like what we saw in the tight end position when you saw more and more tight ends kind of splitting out, getting more athletic, some of those basketball-type players who are being converted. Um, the tight end position is just something of a, of a hybrid position that causes so many mismatches. Uh, I think center is something that's being valued more and more. So I'm really looking at some of these – top-flight centers, maybe even an Andy Gallick out of Boston College, and I think that uh, Shane McDermott out of, uh, out of the University of Miami, that I, I think could really help themselves and really, really jump on, uh, on draft day just because I, I still think it's, it's kind of a, a position that 
people haven't really – I think the average fan just don't really anticipate or, or know just how important that center position is at the NFL level. Two of the guys that I'm looking forward to the most, I'd say, are uh, Paul Dawson. Both of their pro days are at the end of the month. Paul Dawson out of TCU, he's a linebacker. Spent a lot of attention after the combine with his slow 40 time. Uh, I think he stirred up, stirred up some controversy saying that, you know, put him on the field and he's not a track star, he's a football player. But he's a guy that I, I'd be curious to see how he performs because he was obviously a, an incredible player at TCU. And um, I think he'll, he'll show this. The pro day is more his style than the combine. And then taking the opposite effect, uh, Byron Jones of Connecticut, I'd be curious to see if, if his skills in the eyes of the scouts match what he, is, he was able to showcase at the combine. Um, I think those are two pivotal players that I'm, I'm excited to see. And both of those are at the end of the month, Connecticut's. March 31st, and TCU's is March 27th. I was just going to say Byron Jones is one of the guys I was going to agree with. I've always been very high on him. I haven't been as high on Paul Dawson. I think another guy kind of in that Paul Dawson frame, uh, Nate Orchard, the uh, defensive end slash linebacker out of Utah, another person who kind of like Dawson was attracting a lot of attention and really had such a disappointing uh, time there and the fact that, that he ran so light, people thought that he was going to kind of knock it out of the park and I believe ran like a, a little over 4.8 where Dawson was in the 4.9 range. So um, I think that's another player with a lot of lot to prove. But another one that I really um, am really anxious for is, you know, so many people are going to talk about Marcus Mariota. So many people, uh, you know, uh, I feel like Prealamu, the, the corner who will be coming back from injury. But Eric Armstead uh, did declare, looks to be a first-rounder, but someone really questioned it after, you know, just watching Ohio State kind of run down the throat of, of Oregon there. And uh, I think just Armstead just needs to have a really good pro day and really just show his freakish skills. And I think that he's got a chance to possibly become a top 15 prospect if he really, really has a good pro day. I agree with that. If you want a list of all the pro days, we're going to be putting it up on our site so that you can have a reference for when they are and if you want to do a cross-country trip and visit a few let us know and maybe we'll be there at a few of them all right uh so today was a big day for obvious reasons in the nfl it was franchise day deadline and a lot of disgruntled millionaires are pissed that they didn't get a long-term contract dj any surprises as to who was or was not franchised I don't think it was so many surprises. I think it's really going to come down to now some of these players who weren't tendered a, uh, a contract are really with who's going to actually hold out and kind of hit that free agent market and who's actually behind the scenes kind of negotiating with their team. Uh, some of these players are reportedly not far off. Um, so I expect some of these players to be signed. Randall Cobb may be a little bit of a surprise, but again, in Green Bay, I think you're figuring that uh, Aaron Rodgers makes so many people look so good, and and the fact that you're going to have to uh, go in with a with 12 million dollars for one year for a slot type guy is probably a you know, more than what Green Bay was willing to pay. So hopefully they have something to work for him because you know he he's not quite as indispensable as, as people I think make it seem. Uh, so I'm 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 willing to even say. 
to me, possibly looking at them on tape, even though it sounds kind of a little bit ludicrous when you first hear it, I think he's more valuable that passing game than Jordy Nelson. Jordy Nelson, I think, makes uh, a few too many drops here or there. I think sometimes he's the beneficiary of other people around him. I mean, he's a very good receiver, but I don't think he is a top flight or maybe like a top five receiver in the NFL. I think all things considered, uh, Randall Cobb just does more for that team. So hopefully Green Bay is, is pretty close uh, to actually getting him under contract. I think Des Bryant is pretty disgruntled, even though he'll be making, uh, I think, 12.7 this year. But uh, apparently the sides aren't you – know, you hear disparaging reports about how far apart those sides are. I think it could get a little ugly there. Uh, and, of course, in Dominican Sioux, there were a lot of talk, there's a lot of talk about signs are still, signs are still going to sign him, but you know they couldn't really franchise him because you have to be paid as one of the top five at your position. But also another stipulation when you're actually tagged for the first time is you actually have to have a 20% pay raise from the, the season before. And Dominican Sue's contract was so backloaded that he actually made 22 million dollars against the cap last year. So if they were to sign into a one-year deal it would have cost the Lions $27 million. So it was absolutely, there's no way they could tag him. They're still hoping that they can sign him because right now, you know, it looks like him and Nick Fairley could hit the market. So I don't think Detroit can uh, can afford losing both of them, but that's why the whole time we've seen this as a, an issue, and it's why we've had the Lions drafting a defensive tackle, I believe, in every single mock draft that we've had because uh, this is something we forecasted long ago. As an Eagles fan, you happy that they didn't franchise Jeremy Macklin? Uh, very happy because, again, I think Jeremy Macklin had a productive season. He did that in a contract year, but one thing you got to remember, it's a guy with a big, long injury history. He's a very good receiver. I was happy that they kept to keep him over uh, Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson might be seen as more dynamic. He makes the big plays, but... It's just terms of just being an all-out receiver. Macklin has got a lot of skills. But I, I think there, I think the Eagles aren't that far, you know, paying him $12 million for one year. They, they kept him on that one-year deal last year. It's kind of like a, uh, kind of like a tryout, it seemed like, and he, he responded with a career season. Uh, but I think if the Eagles can sign him long-term, what the Eagles do a lot of times is they'll sign some big contracts and some numbers that kind of pop out at you. But a lot of times they're back-loaded contracts and, very few Eagles actually see their contracts played out. So I could see this being probably in the neighborhood of $7, $8 million a year, maybe a, a five or six or a, a six year deal, probably something in the 40 to $50 million range where people will really question, wow, it's a lot of money to give a guy that's hurt a lot. But again, I think a lot of that's going to be backloaded and you'll probably see Macklin stay for about three or four years. And the fact he did come out relatively young, uh, he has seen a, a lot of time and he is only 26 years old. So, he is still at a pretty good age. He might have some of his better years in front of him, being him healthy, but I think the Eagles have the leverage to sign him to a big deal. But I think it's going to be backloaded, and he, he won't see his entire contract. The Eagles are kind of famous for doing things like that. And, and as far as uh, Demarius Thomas, that's another one that uh, I think that they keep him around, but I think that might spell doom for kind of a Julius Thomas and, and, and what they're actually going to do there or, or how Denver kind of addresses some of their, their wide receivers. Um, but as far as uh, this is going to be an interesting week now, now that the pro days are starting, we're going to see more uh, movement up and down with the, with the mock draft. 
Uh, I think you'll see a little more settling at the wide receiver position. Is Kevin White, uh, has he kind of overtaken Amari Cooper? I think we're going to see a lot of uh, attention there. But again, I really think this is when it's not just all about the combine anymore. It, the real cream of the crop starts to rise to the top. And I've said all oh, well, I think there's a lot of very, very good defensive tackles in this draft. I think you're going to start to see players like Leonard Williams. You're going to see Danny Shelton. You're going to see Michael Bennett, Carl Davis from Iowa, uh, even uh, Xavier Williams out of northern Iowa. You're going to see more of these um, really good defensive tackles start to move up some boards. Uh, and, and, again, it's not just about the stats sometimes. It's, it's having that uh, presence in the middle of your, your line that's able to kind of uh, open up some lanes for your linebackers or take some, some pressure off, maybe occupy another man to make that uh, defensive end kind of give them a free shot. Sometimes uh, uh, Jordan Phillips from Oklahoma, who is really kind of the unsung hero of a defense. I mean, I said for years when the Steelers were, were playing so well, that the, me, the most important person on that defense for years was Casey Hampton. Uh, and he made the Pro Bowl year in and year out with some very pedestrian stats. But really, when you watched it, he just did so much for that defense and just freed up, uh, took up so much space and allowed those linebackers behind him, the, the James Farriers uh, of the world, the, the Troy Palomalus from the secondary, uh, to just come in and, and just make play after play after play. Well, I think we're going to see uh, the defensive tackles get talked about more and more uh, in the coming weeks as well. Uh, I think that's, that's about all the time we have for tonight. Um, so thank you all for joining us. Stay in touch with the blog and the site. We're going to be updating constantly. Uh, if you're an NFL, if you're an NHL fan, just to throw it in there, it's been a big week for the NHL trade deadline. It's changing a lot of a lot of trades. Uh, I've changed a lot of picks in this draft, so check it out. NBA, we're going to have some more coverage coming soon as well. But uh, for the NFL fans. This is the season. We're going to be updating the mock draft constantly. The blog's going to be getting a lot of love. We're going to integrate that into the site pretty soon. But for now, you can go to WordPress uh, draftsite.wordpress.com. And um, yeah, keep keep coming back. Thanks for thanks for listening. And DJ, any last thoughts? No, other than uh, the, the the blog's going to be updated daily. We're going to have a, a ton of content for people out there. We're under 60 days until the draft now, so it's it's really starting to get down to the nitty-gritty. If anyone out there is unfamiliar with the process or think that, that teams are kind of taking a break right now, I can guarantee that right now is, I would say the, these two weeks right now and maybe the two weeks right before the draft are probably the busiest as far as uh, scouting rooms and, and with uh, what you're going to see behind the scenes, especially with your general managers. This is the time of year when uh, – a lot of decisions are starting to be made. Uh, and, again, it, you'll really start to see a pickup with a couple of weeks before the draft. Kind of have that wall in the, in, in the middle there where teams are really just kind of going over the information they've already collected. But now it's uh, teams are in big and over mode, uh, uh, overload right now with collection. Right after the combine when the pro days start, this is really where the, the, the metal hits the road. The rubber hits the road, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, metal hit the road, we might see some sparks, so. Oh, I'd have been talking about the Browns there. Oh, I've just alienated Cleveland. Oh, it's okay, guys. Gosh. It's okay, guys. Yeah, I don't Gotta like the McCown situation there at quarterback. We didn't even talk about that, but that that's a good situation for Cleveland. Yeah, I, I don't I don't I will never get it. I'll never get why this guy keeps getting so many chances. He's not gonna 
he's not going to lead a team to that many wins. He might play well, but uh, teams don't rally around him, and, and you only get so many chances. I mean, sure, the Bears did that one time, but they were just so tired of Jay Cutler, so it worked. All I know is I think this guy should have a lucrative deal hawking luggage for someone. Like, he should be the spokesman for Samsonite. He just has a, a new destination year in and year out. I think Josh Mc, or, uh, Mr. McCown would be just the perfect uh, Samsonite spokesman. <laughs> I like that. I'll, I'll put you in touch with his agent see if you get a uh, finder's fee. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, thanks again for coming out. I hope you have a great week. Have a good one, guys. How'd you like a new tone? Or to adjust snow?